0: hey guys welcome to combo courses and um i'm trying to do these more regularly since i'm my uh starting to slow down a little bit on uh the work that i do well it hasn't slowed down but i'm managing my time better (laughs) let's put it that way all right so what i wanted to talk about is a couple of questions that people ask me as you can see over over there and that's what we're going to talk about in this particular podcast and the first one really had me laughing. It was uh came from Millie Tant who said, uh, can you do therapy sessions for ISOs? <laughs> oh, and this one really made me laugh, Millie, like whoever you are, had a good mm-hmm. laugh on that one. Um yeah, because cybersecurity um can really get stressful at times. A lot of our job is dealing with dealing with people, dealing with hard headed clients. Dealing with difficult situations that clients have and people get very emotional about what we're doing. They realize it's important um, and uh, there's a lot of pressure in uh, the cybersecurity in general. If you're a cybersecurity consultant, if you're an information security officer, whatever the case, and you're in the middle of this hot seat where you're handling essentially people's data right and it's very important especially if they just got hacked or something i mean it's just very stressful so one thing that i do um to just remain calm is is uh realize that i'm just a messenger like that's it i'm i am merely a messenger of facts don't I don't I try not to put my emotions in it and and there's a tendency as humans to try to put our own feelings in it but you just have to report the facts and when I in psychologically when I think of it that way I realize sometimes the facts are not going to be something that my client or whoever wants to hear but if I don't tell them it's going to be worse for them so I just say, listen, I'm in my mind, I'm just like, I'm just a messenger. I'm just going to tell them the facts because I don't want them to be blindsided. I'd rather them hear it from me and get upset right now than to be blindsided later and be like, well, why didn't you tell me that, you know? <laughs> uh, so that's kind of how I've approached it to make it easier psychologically for myself. But I do, Millie, I do, if you're watching this, I do understand what you mean because it does get stressful. Just the other day, you know, I can't really can't divulge too much information on, on what what's happened but i can't give you an idea a generalization the other day um i worked for this giant company we do risk assessments and uh we have this we have a client <clears throat> and they were they're just going through some things you know and we just we had to tell them an ugly truth about something on their system and you know honestly it it got ugly and um my it was me and my coworker and my co is super calm like he doesn't get rattled at all the crazier things get the more calm he gets he's amazing like i learned so much from this guy and and i just realized we're just reporting facts that's that's it we're just we have to report the facts if we don't i know they don't want to hear this but we have to tell them because if we don't it's going to be way worse for them going forward So that's the approach that I have whenever I'm working this job, reporting these inconvenient truths to them. And hopefully they understand it. Hopefully they take action, but it's up to them. Ultimately, and that's another thing. Don't take responsibility for their behavior. Like it's up to them to make the right decision. It's not up to you. If you have reported the facts, free and clear of your own personal feelings, you have done your job and then you want to put it in writing you don't want to just tell them because they might be like well you didn't say that and maybe they forgot or didn't hear it or whatever but if you send them an email put it in writing however you do it then they have it then you have a record of you telling them what needs to happen a lot of times with these giant hacks that happen if you haven't noticed like if you dissect some of these giant hacks that have occurred throughout our industry in it banking whatever hospitals usually there there was some lone cybersecurity person <laughs> that told them that warned them and said listen like uh, here's what i'm seeing I'll give you an example um that stuff that happened in texas texas had a deep freeze texas does if you're not familiar with the u.s or whatever Texas doesn't normally get cold, like it goes cold, like very cold, like every maybe 10 years, five years, six years, something like that, right? This doesn't happen very often. Well, the climate has been very erratic in many states. And a couple months ago, month, last month, last month, they got hit with a winter storm, like a winter storm took out their their power, (laughs) their they blame blaming it on the windmills and stuff, but it's like, no, windmills are only 12% of your energy. They're literal pipes for their main energy, which is coal and natural gas and oil froze. That's how bad the freeze was. They weren't climatized. They didn't climatize the pipes. They didn't have disaster recovery. They're, none of that. They were none of that stuff. And these are multi-billion-dollar organizations who we're talking and they didn't climatize. They didn't do disaster recovery. Well, if you look back about 10 years, they had the same thing happen and someone warned them. Someone warned them and said, hey, if this happens again, this could take the power out in two or three different counties. And that's exactly what happened. Somebody warned them. Your job as an information system security officer, your job as a cybersecurity person is to talk about those things that to avoid the need for disaster recovery efforts, to avoid them getting hit with debilitating, catastrophic failures. That's what your job is. You're not there to sugarcoat things. You're not there to be nice and, oh, God, you know, come on, guys. Now, you do want to be cordial. You do want to be respectful. But you have to tell them the facts. Even if it doesn't, they're not going to like it. You're like a robot. Like, you're just reporting. Sometimes they want to kill the messenger and they get mad at you. But just realize, hey, they're going through some things. They're going through some things. <laughs> that's it. That's that's how I feel about it. That's how I've been able to get through this. And uh, as a therapy session for ISOS, I would say, just be the messenger. And that's it be the messenger, you're, you're just, you're merely the pipe, the information is is flowing through you, that's it. So, all right, and then Millie Tant says, let me see, let me show you guys what I'm seeing here, goes on to say, this is another great topic, Millie, by the way, they say, where do you go next career-wise if you're tired of being an iso and don't want to do security control assessor work good question so i actually a few years ago i could speak to this one because this actually happened to me i had been in iso for many years um i don't know uh maybe upwards of 10 years or something like that and i just got it just felt like all documentation and i was not getting hands-on experience and so i i felt I was just bored, you know, I just kind of was doing the same thing and I just wanted something different. So I actually, when I talk about this in another video, but what I did was I started putting my resume in for other things and I and I broadened my, broadened my scope. I, I started opening myself up to different things, putting other things on my resume that weren't necessarily just risk management framework. And then I also put stuff on my resume that uh, like things like my Linux experience background, my networking background. I start highlighting that, putting more of that stuff to the top of my resume rather than just kind of a buried or not even being on there at all. Then another thing I did. So I opened myself up to other career paths. Another thing I did was I opened myself to to go to travel. Um, This is a big one. If you're willing to travel and if you're willing to relocate those two things, I'll put those two two things in the same pot if you're willing to do those those two things right there it will open you up to many different things and if you're another thing third thing is you got to be willing to learn i was willing to do all those things because i wanted something different at that time in my career i just wanted something different i wanted to be more technical and i got my wish i put my resume out there kind of updated it put all the technical stuff up top Open my side, look, look, I'm, I'm willing to travel. I'm willing to relocate. I'm willing to do whatever, you know, and willing to learn, right? I was mentally ready to learn. I didn't say on there willing to learn or anything like that. Put my resume out there. I start getting offers for all these things. Some of the things I couldn't do, like some of them was too technical. They, they're looking for an expert, like three years experience on SIEM technology or three, four years experience doing networking or whatever. I just knew I wasn't that deep into it. So I, I could learn it. From where I left off, but I, I've been out of it for two, three years, and I'm like, well, you know, that's I'm not really a high level network engineer. I could I could come in and learn it as a junior guy, but not, you know, I'm not going to just dive in and know how to fix you guys' firewall. You know, I'm suddenly, so I just was very picky about what I was taking, what I was, what what interviews I was willing to do. So I ended up getting this interview overseas, working for a government agency. Doing a completely different job. They offer me a completely different job, like a um, a cyber security analyst, uh, which is basically the guys who data's coming through in and out of their network and they're having to look at it and say, okay, is this an attack? Is this a denial of service attack? Is that, what is this? What's this data? So I had to look at logs live as they're going through the network. and And what that did was, when I got into that job, I was learning. Like I was, I relocated, which wasn't easy by the way, because I had kids, little kids, relocated for some time. And then I, I was willing to learn. I was in a junior position. So they're literally training me. I mean, I had enough to like build on. I had enough knowledge to build on, but I'd never done that job before. I was in a SOC, which was a security operations center where you're just looking at data all day long. And it was 12 hour shifts, which is not ideal, not fun. And it was in a skiff. Like it was, it was several things. I was away from my family. I was in a windowless building. Um, and it's 12 hour shift work. So that's 12 hour shifts. <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. Um, it paid pretty good, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a hard turn to make from being very comfortable. And being uh, being able to just do stuff off the top of my head, like I can do with with risk management and with uh, ISO work, it was stuff I had to learn. I was constantly learning, and I was a junior person. So, if you're willing, Millie, if you're willing to uh, take a risk, then yeah, you can uh, you can do whatever job you. You know, whatever job you want to do, it doesn't have to be in line with what we do. Like the reason why she brings up or he, he, they bring up SCA because from an ISO to an assessor is actually a very easy move. Very easy because we do a lot of the stuff that they that they are watching. We we're implementing the security controls. We're working directly with different departments within our organization to make sure the policies are in place making sure the security controls are in place sometimes we're implementing the security controls so to go to a security control assessor job is actually very very easy for us because you already you already see the inside now you're going to see it from the outside looking in kind of thing but if you are going into a different career for altogether you got to be willing to take some risks and for me i i did do it um career wise i don't i don't regret it I did, leave my family was a little bit much and that really hurt. Um, that hurt me for years, by the way. So just, um, just, you could do whatever, just be willing to take some risks and to make some sacrifices, what I would say about that. All right, let me see. What other questions do I have? Corey says, stay safe, Bruce. Thank you so much. Um let me see where is this place oh this is somebody is asking me about uh this trip i did to i think it was somewhere in denver somewhere in denver is where it was um i have just replaced the ssd drive okay that's very technical about me fixing them fixing a fan in my old toshiba laptop you know don't know how relevant that is anymore let me see. Terence says, "Great training. Any good books do that I do I recommend? I am trying to figure out a smart way, smart ways to manage the risk management program. I have the information but putting it together is like pieces of a puzzle that I cannot that I cannot put together." Um Terence Good question, good question. I know I know how you feel on this one. That's exactly how I felt when I first went into risk management. Feels like there's this huge tapestry, huge puzzle, and you have to put it all together, and you're only getting bits and pieces. And that's the reason why I actually did my my courses because I hated that feeling of the bits and pieces feeling. Uh, and let me just show you where... I'm going to show you a couple of resources that you can use if you're interested. If you're interested in this, then there's a few resources that I would highly recommend that could break it all down for you. Um, and then books, you said. Um, I'm just lining everything up so I can go through it. There's a really good book. This called NIST. Um, let me see, Risk Management Framework, Books, what is that book called? I actually have this book, so I'm looking for the book that I have about it, and it is about the CAP course, is this it, man why is it so hard to find, <laughs> it's so hard to find stuff on this topic it's just scattered all over the place that's the problem so i do i feel you feel you on that one it's just kind of all over the place okay here we go so first of all let me show you my screen here first of all i would recommend this book right here um this is one of the best books it's not cheap as you can see but uh one of the best books for learning um it's for a the cap course i mean for the cap certification which is for nist risk management framework but the way he breaks it down is uh is kind of putting the whole thing together so it's one of the best books for taking the cap uh certification for a risk management framework but also learning the process i would say from a from a high level he takes you from a high level and explains the why of why you do those things and i like those are my favorite kinds of books the other the best resource that you can use is the nist 850 set uh, 37 and that is actually on a website on this website right here and this is uh nist.gov if you search google just just google uh um, 837 rev 2 and you'll find it this document right here is the definitive source of risk management framework breaks it down start to finish it's takes some getting used to the actual language of how they talk about it but if you start from Uh, The beginning kind of gives you a high-level view of why you have it, why you have the risk – why you need the risk management framework process. And then it goes into um, the the phases of the risk management framework process after it goes through all the whole – overview of everything like why you're doing it what's the laws behind it and if you look at this right here the table of contents it will you can see kind of at a high level what's going on the fundamentals right here this part whoops what did i just do did i just oh my god i just got myself out of it okay let me go back here, click the wrong button. Sorry about that, guys, apologize. Let me go back to the table of contents. Here we go. So fundamentals, watch me click it again. <laughs> okay, so part part one right here is just overview and all that kind You can actually come back and read that later. Part two is telling you an overview of like, how the organization's supposed to see the risk management process, what what the managers are supposed to see, and then the systems, what the systems are supposed to have on them. It just gives you this bird's eye view of what the risk management framework is all about. Then to, the process itself is broken down on chapter three. Chapter three breaks down each one of the steps. It goes from prepare to category all the way down to monitoring, continuous monitoring. So this is the definitive place to start with the risk management framework if you want something to read i would highly recommend this book here especially if you're taking the cap certification and then this right here is the most the best thing you can read and it will lead you to other documents that you can read such as nist 853 which you don't have It's more of a reference nist 53 this one right here is not too hard to read this is probably 40 solid 40 pages of read maybe 30 20 pages of reading it's not really that long it looks longer than it is because it has all these appendixes in there but you don't it has glossary and all that kind of stuff and then the first part like i said is kind of like you don't have to read through that part the main part is like about 30 pages of that explains everything and then it it breaks off into the nist 853 which is more of a reference. You don't have to read that one from scratch. That one, you would read the introduction and then it goes into like a hundred pages, hundreds of pages of actual controls, which you don't have to read those word for word. The final thing I would recommend is of course my own course. My own course right here basically tells you from the perspective of an ISO, without going into ridiculous detail that you don't need, exactly what you need to know as an ISO. if you especially if you're just getting into this what i did was i took my own experience of doing this for the first time and you know that feeling of of it all being a puzzle that you got to put together i eliminate that i just say look here it is from a high level view here's what i have here's my experience here's what i did being an ISO, here's what it means in plain English. Here's the references if you want more information. Here's an intro to being an ISO uh, for risk management framework, because there's different security people for different frameworks. But for risk management framework, here's an introduction. Then I go to prepare, categorize each one of these things, and I'm telling you what you actually have to do not theories now i go into a theories and all that stuff a little bit but mostly i'm sticking to what you need to do and the mindset you need to have to get into this career path career field and to be successful at it that's what i'm talking about and then i go into things like an interview what is it like to do an interview what kind of things should you say some of the stuff honestly you can get from this if you're watching this channel right now if you watch me weekly or whatever you can get a lot of it for free but the packaging and everything I do and then having a having a link to me if you wanna talk to me about specific things, I'm willing to do it um, if you bought the course. So the cor- this course I think is, it's one of the only ones out there and that's why I get so many sales on it. I mean, there's just not a lot of stuff out there that's not $3,000 a piece. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's where I would highly recommend you go to get your answers for a NIST um to uh recommended nist training and books and stuff like that putting it all together that's what i would recommend hope that answers your question okay let me see here what else do we have here hi sir can we connect i have several doubts please help okay not a lot of detail there um i'm looking for other Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Endless Mindset said, you should change the title of this video. You never once said how to get a security clearance and steps. And the steps were where you go to sign up. Um, and the only thing you mentioned was you must be a US citizen. Okay, but next, buy my product to get this job. So, no, I actually covered this one extensively, so um, I disagree. But if you missed it, if you missed my other videos because it didn't pop up in your, you know, in your queue or whatever, I could talk about it right now. I get this question a lot about obtaining a security clearance. And um, my recommendation, let's say that I, didn't, I did not have one and I needed one. What would I do? What, what would be the first thing that I do, knowing what I know now? So first of all, let's, let's go over a couple things. There's some things that are, you have to have prerequisites, I mean, for the security clearance. Number one, like this guy says, you need to be a U.S. citizen to get certain clearances. Certain clearances, not all. Now, if you watch my other videos, you would see that there's different kinds of clearances. For example, there's one called um, public trust, and you don't need to be a U.S. citizen for that one if I'm not mistaken, you do not need to be a US citizen for that one. Public trust is done for organizations that are high level, but they don't have classified material. Um, Or they have different lower levels of of material that is sensitive, but not super sensitive. So that would be organizations like the IRS, I think the post office, um, some hospitals and banks have public trust and then some other organizations. So you can see they have important information but it's not like top secret or anything like that. So, number one, how? Okay, number one, how do you get a public trust? Here's what I would do if you, if I was getting a public trust. I would go to Indeed, in Indeed.com is one site you can go to. For example, I mean for, and then go search for whatever state city you're in, and then you could put public trust now i don't know what your career path is but if you're it i'd put it public trust uh, whatever job you are in public trust that's all i did was i said i typed in public trust where i am at let me hold on let me uh let me readjust the screen so you can see what i'm seeing here that's i'm on indeed.com you can do this with other there's dice.com it's probably one of the best for technical you got LinkedIn is probably the best for social interaction and immediate confirmation on getting the actual job. Um, there's monster.com, there's career builder. There's, there's literally hundreds. Now, if you live in another country, there's hundreds in your country alone that are better for your country. But I'm talking about indeed.com. So right now, all I did was public trust and I can see a bunch of jobs for public trust. Don't need to be... Uh, so. Step one, look for jobs for that with public trust. Let me uh, look for an IT job for public trust. So I'm just going to type in public trust clearance. See how it already pops up here? That means other people are searching this. Right? So you could go through this entire list and see if you fit with one of these jobs. Now, this is a lot of jobs, and I'm looking for an IT job. So let's go back to the top and type in cyber security cyber let's just say cyber let's see if that finds anything and this is within 25 miles by the way of me so if i wanted a better search i could change it from 25 miles to 50 miles 100 miles whatever there's i think there's a, a way even you can there definitely is a way you can actually even look for remote jobs so here you go these are public trust jobs Well, actually, not this one. This one is not a public trust. This is why it's important to go through each one. This one is for TS Clarence with poly. uh, We're going to talk about that one in a second. Um, Most of these are going to be clear. Oh, here's one. Software engineer, public trust. Ability to acquire a, obtain a public trust. So, The reason why you look here is because you don't actually get a public trust. There's no, you don't go to an application and sign up for it and then say, hey, I want a public trust. You know, no, that's not how it works. You have to have a need for a public trust and a need for a security clearance or a top secret clearance or whatever, right? There has to be a need for it. Organizations, businesses, companies, government organizations have a need for A clearance so they're the ones who get it for you you just need to meet the requirements so that may be the place where you're confused you don't get a clearance they you get it by getting into the company they get it they get the the, that for you when there's a need for you to get it so that's one way to do it you would search for the job for that clearance now let's say you could get you were a U.S. citizen, and you can get a secret clearance. So you can just, right here, you can just put uh, security clearance, cyber. And that's gonna come up with a bunch of jobs. And what you wanna do is look for the ones that say, be able to obtain, because some of them say like this, must have an active duty clearance. No, if you don't have one already, obviously you're not gonna be, you can't get that job. They want you to already have one. So you want to get one that says must be able to obtain a clearance because if if you get that one, they will get you the clearance. They just want to make sure that number one, you're a, you're a citizen. If you are looking for a secret clearance or a top secret clearance, or if you are a green card holder, that you can get a public uh, you can get a public trust clearance, but you don't have anything on your record that would get you that would make it so that you could not get a clearance. That means like things on your records that would make it so that you can't get a clearance would be like uh, you were involved with a terrorist organization. Uh, Your family has very close ties to a terrorist organization. Um, You had a serious felony. Uh, You robbed a bank or something like that. And now you want to get a public trust at a bank? No, that's not going to work. I'm just being completely honest. I'm not saying it's fair or right. I'm just telling you that's kind of how it goes in my from what I have seen. So now how let me see if I can find one that would be like a cyber security type job where it says obtain, must obtain, be able to obtain. Now here's one that says, let me see, I thought I saw one. Okay, here's one. It says a you have to have a TS SCI clearance able to obtain a CI poly. So they want you to come in the door with a TS clearance and then you have to do have to be able to do this other part, this polygraph test. So yeah, I I hope that this answers your question. You if I could just recap real quick. There's nowhere you go up to sign up for a clearance, number one. Okay. You have to be eligible for a clearance. Okay. You find a job that you can do, like that you're qualified for as far as your skill set or degree, or whatever you need, certifications, you look for jobs that say able to obtain this or that clearance. That's how you do it, right? That is how you do it. When you get in there and it says able to obtain, they obtain it for you. They get it for you if you are eligible for it. That might have been the confusion for it. I'm not sure, but I hope that answers any questions about that kinda of beat those to death, man. Like those questions <laughs> those clearance questions are like nonstop. Because a lot of security jobs uh, another thing that's kind of confusing is that people think that you have to have a security clearance to get a cybersecurity job. And that's also not true. You don't have to have one. I'm currently in a in a position where I'm a cybersecurity person and I do not have a clearance and uh even in my last job, I didn't really have to have a clearance. But um, let me get back to my questions here. Let's see what we have here. And if you guys happen to be viewing me, have any questions whatsoever, I will do my best to answer them. Let me see here. I'm just reading through additional questions here and let me switch my screen here okay here's a i don't know if i can answer this one actually let me see here says hi could you please advise me i'm an international student from india i am taking my master's course in cybersecurity in the UK does university matter and will i be able to get a job once i complete my masters please let me know if i can if i can suggest some universities for cybersecurity if you can suggest some universities for cybersecurity okay i'm going to answer this one to the best of my ability um so i can only speak for the US i and I, i can tell you u.s companies uh this is how they behave and i think that some other countries such as australia canada and uk follow the same thing you for it okay i'm not speaking for if you're a doctor <laughs> university really matters if you're a lawyer you uni- in the u.s university really matters if you're a lawyer if you're a high level business exec university really matters um here's where it doesn't matter as much if you start your own company a degree itself doesn't even matter (laughs) if you start your own company a degree doesn't matter um i'm being completely honest and serious richard branson i think he dropped out of high school like it doesn't matter if you started uh, but that's not your question so your question is, does a degree matter if you're in cybersecurity? And in the U.S., I can tell you the university itself does not matter. And let me explain to you. Let me let me qualify you with with an actual my own personal experience. I have a degree from a University of Phoenix. OK, University of Phoenix. Is one of the laughing stock of the United States of America. (laughs) It's an accredited college. It's not like a fake degree or something. I really did work to get it. It was very expensive. The problem with the University of Phoenix is that um, they kind of gouge some of their students, and it feels like you're paying for a degree. You're paying a large amount. It's a private university, and so they can charge whatever they want, and then they have this like a loan shark attitude about loans um they put people in a lot of debt they got a lot of flack here and people it's a laughing stock here in the u.s like if you say they make jokes about it comedians make jokes about it here in the u.s um if you say if you just merely say the word universities of phoenix in some cases people just start laughing (laughs) because it's hilarious i have a degree from there i make six figures i've I've made six figures in my last three jobs. I'm doing really. I'm doing okay. Is what I'll tell you. Um, university doesn't matter for cybersecurity. What matters is that you can do the work. Now you do need to have accredited college. Like there, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a degree. Many organizations require at least a bachelor's degree if you're if you're trying to be a high level um, person. A high-level person, a high-level cybersecurity person, they're usually looking for a degree. There's exceptions. Like my men, some of my mentors did not have a degree. Okay, my the smartest per- people that I know in this field did not do not have a degree. They taught me, and and I came in and I had a, two, three degrees, and I have three, four certifications. And this person <laughs> who does not have a degree is teaching me and is the most brilliant person I've ever met. They have a degree now, but i'm just telling you just because you have a degree um sometimes you can even get in now granted those people had a lot of experience and they had military background and they had a lot of experience in the military so in the u.s that goes a really long way uh but normally some of the big companies like price waterhouse um i don't know in the uk ones but i can tell you all the big three um communications AT&T T-Mobile um I don't know about Facebook and Google uh but I'm not sure about those ones but um I could tell you Northrop Grumman Lockheed Martin these are multi-billion dollar global security companies um I could tell you uh Raytheon um these are people who launch things into space okay i've worked for some of these companies and i have a bachelor's degree from a laughable university now i personally think the university was good i learned stuff there it was legit it's just not it's not <laughs> it's it's no harvard yeah, i'll just put it to you that way <laughs> so in the u.s i would say um A master's degree is is great is is good to have especially if you're going to become a manager but it's good enough to get a solid degree it degree from uh from an accredited college bachelor's degree in it or one of the stem like that science technology engineering um, uh, mathematics those are the things that large companies in the u.s are looking for and i A lot of these companies also have business in UK, by the way, and they hire people from the UK. And several organizations that I work with are people from the UK, from Ireland, from all over the world, all over the world. And they, same thing, they have a bachelor's degree uh, or a master's degree for this or that college. And as long as it's an accredited college. Now, of course, if you got it from Stanford or MIT they're gonna throw that around like they're gonna. It's gonna be like a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's it's definitely gonna be seen at a higher standard. If you went to MIT and you have a master's degree from MIT, that goes a long way in IT. That goes a really long way. Those are the kind of guys that become CEOs or very easy, or they become high level execs or something like. Just from saying that that they have that, and of course they have to have the skill set. You can't just. Fake the funk. You can't. You you have to have the skill set that backs it up. But yeah, okay. Let me see if I answer your question. You said, "Could you advise me on international study, in India?" And I have a. I'm taking a master's course in cybersecurity. Does the university really matter? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I answered it. In the U.S., I would say, depends on the organization you're going to. I would say, ultimately, no. They want to see that you have. They want to see your talent. They want to see what you can do. They want to see your experience. That being said, if you did go to Oxford and you got a master's degree from Oxford, of course, it's going to go a very long way. But if you had a degree from University of Phoenix or whatever, you could still make six figures. I know because I'm currently doing just that. I'm doing pretty good. So hope that answers your question. I hope that this applies to UK. I'm not absolutely certain. Media Network says, hi, Bruce. How you doing? How you doing? Just reading comments here, trying to keep keep up with everyone. Um, I get a lot of questions about this video I did where I hooked up a a ring floodlight cam in my garage. I'm not an electrician, so the way I did it, (laughs) people are... <laughs> People are questioning how I did it. I mean it works, but they're like, Are you an electrician? Um, no, I'm not. Is is it safe? Uh no, probably not. So just so you know. Um Jerry first says, uh, as we like to say in this field it is good enough for government work. <laughs> oh my god people just like hate on me for that video that i did or wired my garage it's not done within the specs i should probably just hire an electrician to do that and shut everybody up all right i think i had i think i'm gonna cover one more uh one more question that i got from uh from my email let me let me see if i can i usually prep these things beforehand but let me see if i can address this one be right now and i think it was a i want to say it was a um resume and i haven't done a resume in a long time so i'm gonna run everybody out of this room by doing a resume <laughs> It's really good for the one person I do it for, but it's so boring for everyone else to look at a resume, especially if you're not looking for a job or anything like that. So let me see if I can find that resume or any other questions people have in my email box. We will answer those real quick. All right. All right. I got a couple questions here. OK, one says from Sam, he says, hello, Bruce, I'm just seeing your training material and I see a ton of incredible information about risk management. I'm currently looking for a mentor slash coach on my journey to the ISO uh, ISO ISSM role. And I think that you would be great, a great fit. And I could learn a lot. Would you mind taking a 15, to 30 minute call? I get these questions a lot. I do not uh, often do these kinds of calls. I do them for people like, there's been people that, uh, that I've been talking to for many years and sometimes I'll do it for them. Uh, but I don't currently do this. a lot. I did very, very rarely do I take, uh, they, do I talk to somebody on the phone just because I'm very busy. And it's, it's better if I am, talking to a group of people and helping many people at a time because i get so many scores of people asking me this and if i was to do this it would just take a lot of time that i don't have so yeah no i don't i don't normally do that very rarely sometimes sometimes i do okay let me see jose says uh hey bruce hope all is well i may have answered this one before So thank you. Uh, So thanks for your training. Thanks to your training and your constant YouTube videos, I was able to go from ISO to SCA, from Information System Security Officer to Security Control Assessor. Do you have any advice for a new Security Control Assessor? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say. The skills that you earn that you learned from being an ISO are really going to help you out as an information system, as a security control assessor. Because <clears throat> essentially, from you are you are on the inside of an organization. So you know exactly what needs to be done within the organization. As an SCA, you're looking from the outside looking in. And so what I would say for a newbie SCA is use your skills as an ISO because they're going to come in handy. You know exactly what the organization is supposed to do. So that's exactly the guidance that you need to give them is exactly what they're supposed to do. I would say another thing I would say for a security control assessor is just be aware that they're a lot of times, being an assessor, they want to shoot the messenger. Like you'll run a scan or something, and then it doesn't look good for the organization. Like it looks really bad, and you're showing them the facts, and people get very upset and emotional about it and stuff. Just don't don't get emotional. Just just always be aware that you're telling people the facts. That's it. Just stick with the facts, and know that they're sometimes going to want to hurt the messenger they want to kill the messenger and that's you so don't take it personal just give them the facts and just remember like if you if you sugarcoat it and don't give them information that you know that's going to make their eyes bleed and you just like well you know maybe we don't show them this don't ever do that like always tell them what you found even if because it might be like you find something and it's a false positive it, you know, it's not what you think it was, you know, but you present it to the organization and it's up to them to figure out how to interpret it and to do to respond to it. But it's not don't take it up on yourself to not give them information that they need to know. You know, you have to tell them the facts. So just that's that's all I will say about that. Um, my my advice to you. Hey, Wallace Life, how you doing, man? Just going through some some of my emails that people send me. On this particular channel Uh, let me see let me see just still reading questions here I think I have one more that I can that I can do here if I can uh, not sure how much of this resume I can I can do Not this one I might have to do later because I have to strip out all their personal information here Let me see if I could do this do that real quick Whoops Yeah, let me okay. Let me just do that real quick a Bear with me guys. I'm just gonna go ahead and switch up some information just kind of hiding the person's personal information at and then their phone number people give me their resumes and want me to look at them and then what i do is so that it helps everyone i'll read it live but still have their personal information so i just have to change this stuff so they don't get any weird calls from some of the maniacs that I have to personally deal with. So that's what I'm doing here before I show the show my screen. And doing this live. This is the first time I've seen this resume. So <laughs> see this, see some stuff right here. Okay. I think that's I think this is good. Okay. So here's the resume right here. And uh, first time I'm seeing it, gonna go through it, and this is for a So I don't know what job is for. So one of the first things I do at the top is I put the job that I want. So I will put that, mm, I will usually put it right. Hold on, hold on a second. Let's just put it, we'll put it right here. You can put it below the name and uh, contact information or above whatever, but you wanna put it up top somewhere And there's a couple reasons why you do that. Um, You want to catch the recruiter's eyes, like whoever is reading your resume, you want to immediately catch their attention in their eyes. Uh, Also, the search algorithms uh, are searching for certain keywords, and you want to put that in your resume as much as possible. This is an opportunity for you to do that. So let's say this person is looking for cybersecurity assessor, um, analyst. Cybersecurity analyst, right? I don't know what what A is looking for, but if it was a security control analyst, I would put that title right below your name, or right below your contact information, or even above all that stuff. But it has to; it should be somewhere up tops. Just a really good technique to use. All right, and he says he starts off with a versatile and skilled individual with leadership qualities, obtained and information obtaining an information technology position utilizing my professional knowledge and work experience okay these are good and in my personal opinion i know what i normally do in the first part of my resume is if i'm going to put a statement like this is i'll put as many keywords as possible because it's an opportunity to really go to town on um on those keywords so where he puts or she where they put um it i would put um cyber security cyber it's it's actually not a bad term but the the new one right now is cyber security and i don't know if that's what they're going for but my point is you want to put a keyword right here right like any all throughout this thing and it you could put it right here it professional leave it there that's cool that is its own keyword strong technical track record or using analytical skills project management innovative okay that's that's fine it's that's that's cool you could put that in there but like I said put as if you're gonna do it put as many keywords as possible right up top um 10 years okay I like the way he's done this where you right away put your most hard-hitting items right up top so you want to get to the point don't be long-winded this in my opinion this is already kind of long-winded already but right here you want to be uh get cut to the chase on what you're what you're trying to do so let me just make some suggestions here i would put okay 10 years of it infrastructure operation change management and customer experience with technical support web hosting domain domain names uh development okay that's all good 10 years that's that's a lot of years of experience so i would definitely put that in there eight years of experience doing project management windows 10 uh, migration application Okay, that's fine. Eight years of project manage- manager. They might even want to be a project manager. A person with eight years of project manager experience can probably make more than a person with 10 years of IT experience. Yeah, you might want to look into that. Um, you might even want to put up here instead of cyber i And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's what you wanted to get into or whatever it is. You might even want to put project manager up here. Or something or system administrator or something. I don't know like what your goal is, but whatever your goal is, put that in the title. Uh, t- six years of experience serving and interacting with federal government agencies. I would put the maybe put the agencies in here. Maybe put like CIA, FBI, whatever the agencies are, whatever the agencies are, put them there. 2 years of experience doing patch administration public sector. Okay, that's that stuff's okay. That's cool. And then they go into okay, help desk administrator contractor with public trust, Department of Commerce. And then they say um manage security posture of 600 blah 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 800 packages this is actually not a bad resume this is i like the way they get right to the point and they're telling you the impact of what they did with numbers that's really good um update critical microsoft okay let me see it said department of commerce up here so i'm just going to put D O C. I think that's what it is, DLC Department of Commerce. Uh let me see. Okay. Only thing is I would probably break this out. Update critical patches. Documenting. Doc okay, I would I would do this and put and put this as a its own bullet. Oh man. I don't know why it's doing this. Um yeah, that's <laughs> Not good. I'm not sure like why the bullets are all jacked up. But uh, what I'm trying to do here is make this into its own bullet. Yeah, and it's not doing it. But anyway. Wow. Yeah, why is it doing that? Okay. That's cool. We just won't bulletize it. But documenting. Documented. We'll just put documented incident incident results and reporting details through ticketing systems so my point is like i would he has this long run it run in sentence like if you have stuff like this where you can break it into parts it makes you looks like you did more because you did more things like you should take credit for all the things you did so you break them out into different bullets it, it gives the impression of that's more accurate to how much work you've actually done so just just one thing that you could do or you could keep it as one long paragraph it's fine i mean that's what i do so but it works better if it's bulleted um perform risk assessment documenting the incident tickets okay here we go we're gonna we're gonna put this one up here and then we're gonna put this one perform risk assessment as its own piece like that okay this is his own bullet performed risk assessments to ensure government compliance okay and he mentions NIST framework right here and i would put following nist 800 fisma standards guidelines this is actually not a bad resume this is actually like the stuff this guy's doing is really on the right track so this is kind of breakout so just from looking at this number one up top put as many keywords immediately as soon as possible don't be too wordy because you gotta realize, think of this from the technical recruiter's perspective. They gotta go through scores of these resumes. You wanna have impact as soon as possible. That's why right up top, right away, you tell them what you want, what you so you might already line up with what they're trying to do. So you put right up top what you're trying to get or where you are in your career like this person looks like a system administrator or an information system security officer i'm i'm not sure which one but you could put your role right up top right in there and then right away hit them right in the face with as many keywords as possible because as many technical recruiters that are going to look at your resume even more algorithms are going to search through your resume way more algorithms what I mean to say is once you take this resume and you upload it into LinkedIn, Indeed, and that's what you should do, Dice, Monster, all of these places. Once you upload it all those places, the algorithm within those sites, those job sites, are going to be looking for keywords. Like, so once you upload it, people are going to search for, I need an IT professional right <laughs> so it's if you put the word it professional in your resume you're gonna pop up but it professional is a very broad word so they're probably not gonna just look for that they're probably gonna look for things like nist 800 security plus windows server 2008 administrator they're gonna look for stuff like so you want to make sure that you capitalize on all those main keywords so you got to put as many in there as possible so that would be um, my my advice to anybody out there to make sure you know the keywords of your organiza- of your particular field because another thing i would highly recommend you do is if let's say you're trying to go into soc work like security operation center work you should go here let me show you what i would do you could go to is Indeed still up? Yeah, it is. Okay, you can go to Indeed.com and look for what organizations are looking for when it comes to SOC. You would just search for a security, whoops, security operate security operation center and then look for what they're what they're looking for the usaa is looking for a work relationship advisor no that's not what we're looking for security operations center supervisor transport security solutions architect so let's say you were looking for this job you'd go here and what you'd want to do is look at their job description and this job description is going to give you an idea of what to put on your resume. Now, I'm not telling you to lie or anything, but there's certain wording that they're going to use that you may not use. Like, this guy's using "sock" as a service. Like, if you know you've done this, but you're you calling it, um, what do they call it these days? Missions, services, or something like that. You probably want to change it to the word that everyone's using, "sock" as a service or whatever, or host seam as a service or patching as a service or whatever it is you want to use their terminology so that you get hit with the and and that might need be the terminology what i'm telling you to do is check what the terminology is so that you you uh have a leg up on the competition when you're putting your resume out there do your own research do your reconnaissance on what it is you're going to uh, do, what you're looking for, probably the one of the best sources is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is bet is the best because it actually has. Um, it also has a collection of not only jobs but also resumes out there that you can use so (laughs) that's the resumes that you can use out there other people's resumes are golden like look at what they are saying on resumes and you will get an idea of what keywords to use the name of the game is matching your skill set with the proper keywords and lining up with the jobs that you want that's how you do it if you and then you put that everywhere you put it on linkedin indeed.com dice.com if you're in another country if you're in the philippines go go to the top philippines job sites and you can google it like you can just bing or google it or whatever and type in top job sites in the philippines and you'll find like a top 10 of all the sites and then you use all those go put your resume on all those sites you're if you don't have a job your job should be to put the resumes on every site on planet earth (laughs) now i have a course about this if you're interested if you're not just watch all my videos i mean you'll get a very good idea of what to do you know very good idea but my course, I break down like exactly what I did and why I have not been without a job for years. I've, I've been I've been having high paying jobs for many years because I use the techniques that I explain in this particular course. But like I said, listen, I'm just trying to help people out. So if you can't afford to take this, watch my videos, go through my videos watch them all the ones where i'm talking about resumes all the ones where i'm talking about it's not as well packaged as what i put on here but you can get a good idea what a solid idea of what i'm going to say in here uh on on my actual co- um uh, <clears throat> what what i say on these sites on, on this site right here is a lot of what i say in the actual course so but the course right here is the truth like this is exact i'm literally walking you through what what i do when i go for jobs so yeah keywords resume i have a breakdown of each one of those things i do start to finish and so it is i'm just surprised this is one of my best works (laughs) it's like this has paid me very well very very well Um, yeah, so that's it guys. Um, Florence Taylor, how you doing? Um, I've been talking for about an hour, so I'm going to get off this thing and do other things, but appreciate you guys watching me. Thanks for all your support over the years. Appreciate everyone.